Welcome to Rafa. Good to have you with us. Glad that you have chosen this teaching on eating kosher, the old and the new covenant. On the surface, this might seem like it's going to be rather dry, but I believe as we get into this, and I preface it by saying you're going to find a lot of things in this that will be applicable to the uh, new covenant church, as well as to the people of, of Israel, the Hebrews. Uh, I'm glad that you tuned in or, or chose this program and it, there's on our website, Rafa Ministries World, where it's probably where you found this. There are other things that will be of interest to you there. There's some old preaching, full gospel preaching that we have done. We put in some of those and there's a Bible answer man place where you can choose that in the, uh, in the format and you can pull that up under Lee West Ministries. So you will find that. And also, if you feel led to give us a contribution so that we can uh, help us in this, that will be perfectly fine. We would love to have you do that. And this teaching is going to be primarily to Christians. So if you feel led to do that, that's fine. God will get the work done. But if you want a special blessing by being a part of it, then we would uh, greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much in advance. Eating kosher, old and new covenant. The, these thoughts are... On kosher, they're not going to be exhaustive, but they will be very insightful and correlative to the new covenant church, as I said. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 2, God is saying this to Israel, speak, or actually to Moses, to speak it to the children of Israel, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Now, God was laying a foundation here of laws which would be foundational uh, and formulated to his people, and he would be setting limits on those areas, in those uh, foods. You see, the the eating of animals was without restrictions for many thousands of years. And so there's things to be gained from the kosher. Now, we might take a moment here, and look at some of the restrictions that were given to the Jews for kosher eating. And it was uh, food that was dedicated to the Jew, uh, Jewish food preparation and consumption. Uh, it was to be regulated in harmony with God. Now, again, think about New Testament as we, as we go through this, New co- uh, Covenant truth and, and also in commands of God also. So it was regulated for harmony with God. It was not for nutrition, but for spiritual foundation. Uh, it was to please God. It was to deny the flesh. It curtailed philosophical desires. That, that's, that's very important to keep in mind. And it was a spiritual sacrifice. Not, it, it was done by food, yes, but it was a spiritual sacrifice. The foods that were enjoined on the requirements were in the meat area. Unhealthy animals were banned. That would include poisoned animals. Eggs, including fish, fish roe. If the blood was still in the yolk, that was the, that was the uh, contingent. Dairy, milk from kosher animals was also, that was also kosher, is also kosher. Human breast milk, it was permitted, but only by children younger than four years and possibly five if the child was ill. Jesus does not violate kosher of mixing meat and dairy. It did not. 
blood. This this is the one most of the time we think about when we think about eating kosher for the for Hebrews, and of course, which they're still doing today. Jewish people still conform to much of this today. Blood consuming blood is forbidden because life is in the blood. Forbidden if blood is on or the inside the meat. It was forbidden. Dripping blood off meat was okay. It was permitted. Fish blood was also permitted. Slaughter methodology was uh, strictly regulated. And it banned meat torn by beasts or used in idle sacrifices. Slaughter methodology. The priest could partake of animals that died by natural causes or that were torn by beasts. Uh, the procedure was normally done by trained individuals. The knife was not to have nicks or dents, and the animal was to be thoroughly inspected. Now, you can see some of those in the in the New Covenant. So eating kosher is spiritual, not religious to the Jew, and, and when we get into this, you'll see why these are spiritual and not religious uh, to us as we get involved in this. God was dictating what was permissible and what was not to the Hebrew people only, only to the Hebrews. He's not dictating that to the world. The Hebrew people came through the line of Shem. That was Noah's son. They were chosen by God to affect the world through Abraham. Their history would be nomadic, that was basically, uh, parenthetically, a barbarian type by definition. God would make a unilateral promise to them in two parts, nationhood and divine blessings or protection. The Hebrews, by lifestyle, were herdsmen. Life was in the wilderness and would pr- require eating anything that basically was available because it would have been a pretty austere life, and they would have been used to butchering and anna- eating pretty much anything they want. So when God enjoined this, he was moving into virgin territory with them. And God is now uh, curtailing certain animals. I'm speaking about in the past now, curtailing certain animals as were unfit for consumption. God gives the restriction to the Hebrews through Moses, and God is altering the Hebrews' diet, as I just alluded to. Uh, the allowed animals required definitions and preparation restrictions, and here we get the word kosher. It, it, it's fit. Kosher actually means fit according to God's law. This word is, is, is stemmed from the word uh, kashrut, dietary law. Its dietary law is under halakha, permitted by the law. So the Hebrews would henceforth be curtailed from eating food unless it uh, met a certain type of criteria. Land animals that chewed the cud, that means a portion of food, that can be uh, regurgitated from the stomach, sheep, deer, goats, camels, and etc. That, that's what the land animals that chewed the cud, also that have cloven hooves, that means divided hooves, sheep, goat, deer, and etc. with the divided hoof. 
winged creatures, not to be consumed. That would be the vulture type of fowls, fish eating water birds, eagles and vultures. They're basically carnivorous uh, vulture type of animals and bats, fish that have both fins and scales was permitted. Meat from unhealthy animals was not permitted. Breast milk permitted from human fem- uh, females only by children, four years and five years if they were ill, as I spoke. Uh, blood consumption is forbidden because, as we indicated, life is in the blood. Uh, fat, fat is the portion of the meat given uh, to God by burning on the altar. And we could develop a, a, a very deep teaching off that part of the fat in the meat. Meat torn by beasts were forbidden. Forbidden. All meat was to come animals which had been slaughtered according to Jewish law. These animals that were to be used had to be slaughtered by Jewish law, killed by a single cut across the throat. And this was done by a trained individual. The cut had to be clean. Uh, the skin shall not be torn. Severing in the process just simply meant both arteries were cut, and those are that which take blood from the heart to all parts of the body. The jugular vein, large veins carrying blood from the head to the heart. Vagus nerves interface the heart, lungs, and digestive system. The trachea had to be severed, carrying air to and from the lungs. The esophagus, the canal that connects the throat to the stomach. And the cut had to be no higher than the esophagus and no lower than the top of the trachea. This caused the animal to quickly bleed to death. The offerer, should he touch the carcass, he should wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. And evening would be between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m., the time of the basically the evening sacrifice at the tabernacle and later the temple. And it would coincide basically, you know this as Bible students, with Jesus' resurrection. Now, why all these restrictions to the Hebrews? Leviticus 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 47 says, it is to make a difference between the unclean and the clean. So kosher is that which is fit according to God's law. And Romans chapter 7, verse 12 says, the law is holy and the commandments holy and just and good. That's what Romans says, Paul through or God through Paul to us, rather, uh, to function in the covenant of God, obedience is required. Prevents being overcome by performing these rituals. It calls life to be maintained in the in the offerer. And First John chapter one verse seven: If we walk in the light, as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with the other. This is a process. Remember, this is a process. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us 
us from all sin. That uh, cleanseth actually is better translated, keeps on cleansing. Uh, Paul writes uh, a thought in Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's eternal salvation, yes, but also it's deliverance, spiritual and physical. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says this, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And verse 17 puts a contingent upon it. It says, If any man destroys the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now we can bring, I've used that to bring across from the Hebrews uh, restrictions right into the new covenant so many times in ministry. And it goes on to say there that it's how we, uh, in our covenant, access to cleansing. We live a kosher life free of physical defilements, smoking, gluttony, drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, depriving ourselves of the natural functions of sleep and overexerting ourselves. There's so many of those, but that, that goes toward a, a kosher type of living for the new covenant believer. So there are physical de, uh, defilements that can have to take, take place. There's also soulish defilements. The smoking, the gluttony, the drugs, alcohol, and sleep, uh, those are physical, yes. The soulish include lust, dwell, uh, dwelling uh, of, of pleasures, keeping our will in check, clean minds, control emotions. There's also spiritual defilement, keeping our minds, again, fixed on God, communing with the Holy Spirit, seeing ourselves seated with God in heavenly places, and quenching not the Holy Spirit. These these are kosher type of things that we do in our life under the new covenant. And we got the foundation from this, from God speaking to the Jew. You see, God used the Hebrew people to start laying foundational truths to the new covenant people, the new covenant church. And we violate those, those things at our own detriment. If you don't treat your body well, God says he's going to, he's going to require that of you. Now, can, can a Christian smoke and drink and, and do many other gluttonous type of things? Yeah, you can, but if you do, you'll pay a price for it. Can a Christian either, even in, engage in illicit sex? Yeah, they can fall away temporarily for a moment and, and partake of something like that. But if they don't repent quickly, there's a tremendous price to be paid for unconfessed sins. And I guess that's the main point I'm, I'm bringing through this particular area is if, if you get unkosher things in the, in the spiritual area, whereas the Jews had those, or the Hebrews rather had those in the literal, figurative, not figurative, but the literal areas, then in heaven's sake, for, ask God to forgive it. We, we are supposed to live a clean, forgiving of, uh, to God life confessing our sins and letting God clean us. We're not to wait until the end of the day and then do a catch-up type of thing 
we are to live a consecrated kosher life before the Lord. You see, Jesus on the cross satisfied our ability to be kosher as new covenant believers. He did it. He did that on the cross. He connected, uh, reconnected uh, our spiritual arteries. His blood now flows freely. All of his body and the church receive that spiritually now. And we can receive that in, in also literally under certain conditions. He reconnects our jugular veins from his head to our heart. Isn't this beautiful the way God puts this together? Connects all this together from his head. You see, we're right now, we're separated from the head. The head, Jesus Christ, is in heaven. Well, we're seated with him in heavenly places in prophecy and and in the way that we relate to him, but the body is on earth. That's good to remember. That, But we can have a divine connection with him, but his head, our head is there and our, his, his body is here. That's why we feel so disjointed at times. But he says, I'll never leave you. I'm, I'm still there with you. And he has a way of doing that. He unites our vagus nerve, his blood, our, into our heart, breath, and digestion system. It blends there in our heart, blood, breath, and digestive system. In other words, he's taking care of all of us. Our trachea has the pneuma, that means the breath of the Holy Spirit flowing constantly between God, us, and the body of Christ. There's a connection. You see, you you are not totally alone. You, as a believer, are inside the body of Christ. You are a consummate whole. So if, if someone is causing detriment to their body, we, we are affected to a degree. And that's why it behooves us to keep ourselves cleansed and healthy. Now, God is performing all these things uh, in our life to a degree all the time. However, they function so much more uh, prolifically if we recognize that we have a kosher connection with God and some of the truth, as I've said so many times in this teaching, are connected to the Hebrew commands of God as far as eating habits and functioning because they were not to satisfy the flesh. They were to satisfy the spirit. You see, John chapter 15, verse 3 says, Now ye are clean because of the words which I have spoken unto you. That's what he's been talking about through us and through me in this teaching. You're clean if you as you partake of these. And verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. That means live, function, have your being in me so that we don't have a log jam, and I'm using the earthly term there, in curtailing the functions of God as they flow to us from him as it did from him to the Hebrews and through the Hebrews, through the, the defining and the progression of the development of the church to you and me here in the 21st century. And verse 7 of that John 15 says, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you, not by you. Isn't that a wonderful unilateral promise of God for you? You see, all of these rituals were and still are man attempting to have something to do with pleasing and having an intimate relationship with God, the supreme being. And if we try to do this in our own flesh, if we try to accomplish our own health, if we try to see to maintaining a, a healthy lifestyle, I see so many people jogging and running and dieting and trying to use drugs to keep themselves young. And these things only work a bit. Fact is, there's a place where God says, physical exercise profits you very little. The fact is, I tried to tell a person that one time when I was in Europe. He, he was, I don't, I don't think he was a Christian, but every morning it was a bondage to him. He had to get out and run his, what, mile, two, three, four, five miles before breakfast. And he'd be coming back in, uh, panting so. And one morning, I don't know, I, I don't remember how the conversation was started, except I made that point to him. Well, it, you're not going to live any longer by doing that. And of course, he was, he was very affronted by that because, uh, he, he was very much into the physical thing, which the people I see all the time in the, in the parks around me here where I live, I see them trying to keep their body, uh, in the gym where we go. I see people trying to do, do keep their body in physical shape and it works to a degree, but, uh, it's always subject to sin. And the unsaved person has has no access to healing except through medical. And if God wants to perform a unilateral act into their life. So we as new covenant believers obtain the desire as the, uh, the moment we accept Yahshua as our Redeemer is when we receive our covenant right to what God has made available to us in processing our needs and the desires. Because Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says, It is not possible that blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Now, anytime there's a, a, a disunity in this side of, of Jordan, speaking in a, a spiritual way, uh, there's going to be problems in the natural as well as in the in the soulish and in the the functioning within our society that just has to happen because uh the unsaved people have no avenue for that we as believers do and first peter chapter 2 verse 5 says ye also as lively stones i mean living stones being built up a spiritual house very important for you to remember you're built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That kind of brings all of this whole teaching from the Hebrew rituals to we who are in the new covenant. And I've tried this. If you, if you meditate on this and listen to this teaching a number of times, as I'm sure you will, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna find that your life will be, have a better quality. You'll get closer to God. You'll have a more desire to 
to have a re intimate relationship with God, and you'll be seeing the Holy Spirit work the truth of God's transitional uh, kosherness into your life in this generation. And I, I kind of wondered when God started legging on my heart to do this kosher teaching, because as I preface this, on the surface, it seems like it's ritualistic and it's old and it's the slaughtering of animals and it, it's just detestable to those of us who buy our packaged meat in stores. However, there's a lot of truth in this. And as you listen to this over and over, God is going to continue to show you much that we haven't even covered today. And as we start to look at the, bringing this to a close in Romans chapter eight, verse 15 says, ye have not received the spirit. That, that means your human alive spirit. Uh, of bondage again to fear, and it explains that, but ye have received the Spirit. Now that's God the Holy Spirit there of adoption, whereby we can, we cry rather, we cry, Abba Father. That's the, that's the parent kind of Father, not God the awesome, almighty, eternal, self-sufficient God, but the parental type of God, the loving, the caring, the intimate, God portion of God. Now, of course, he's still God. He's still God the Father. But this allows us to see another another aspect of him. And very uh, just a point here. Soon, I'm going to be uh, doing a book on Abba Father. And I, I would encourage you to keep up with the website so that when you can get you a copy of that when he comes out. So, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says, As they were eating, Jesus break bread gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave it to them saying, drink. That means from it, all of you. That's, that's a parenthetical insertion. Drink from it, from the cup, all, every one of you. That's a, that's an in, in embedded command. Ye, all of it, Drink all of it, for this is my blood shed for many for the remissions of sin. There we see it's the blood of Jesus Christ only that forgives sins. There's a, there's a wealth of other types of religions claiming that they can, that can get you to God or a God or some God or even to the God of the Bible. But no, there's only one way and that's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as we recognize his sacrificial death on the cross and we partake of that spiritually and live in that. That's the way we get and stay cleansed. In 1 Corinthians, here Jesus is speaking about what we just read, and he said, take and eat. And then he goes on to explain it. This is my body which is broken for you. And he explains that. This do in remembrance of me. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. And he explains that. This do in remembrance of me. So when we're getting cleansed, every time we partake of our kosher food, we, we are to meditate on that and remember that it is a remembrance for God. The way you treat your body is not the main thing for your benefit, it is a sacrifice to God. The food you eat, how you live your life is a sacrifice, a spiritual 
sacrifice to God and you're being built up your spiritual house. And uh, uh, the the bread that was used there, it, the matzah bread, it had no leaven, it had pierced holes, and it had stripes on him. Doesn't that relate wonderfully the matzah bread to the body of Jesus? He was pierced on the cross. He had stripes beaten on his back. He had holes punched in his body. He had no leaven in him. So the matzah that the Jews would eat at their feast would translate over into what we do to retain, or not retain only, but to partake of the things of God. And then Jesus on the cross with the preparation of his flesh and by the cut in his side, he became the kosher lamb of God to the church. And I say, amen. Selah. I'm glad you listened and chose this teaching. It's going to be a wealth for you. It was even more than I thought when I started looking at it. And the more you realize it, the more it's going to speak to you as you listen to it again and again, and then superimpose it upon the word of God, the new covenant uh, teachings of God and promises. You're going to be so enriching. Glad to have been with you. This is Dr. West. Again, I encourage you to go back to the website. There's some preachings there in Bible Answer Man that you can use in your Bible study. And if you listen to this in foreign lands, you can be enlarged and you can help your people. So until the next time we meet, I just pray that God will richly bless your life.